Thank you, Lord, that you're not a counterfeiter, that you don't multiply finances by going beyond the normal rules and realms and things that you have set in order, but I thank you, Lord, that your order supersedes that order. So you said you would cause the increase to come from the north and the south and the east and the west. You said that whatever we put our hands to would prosper. You said you would command and have commanded the blessing over us. Father, we stand in a place of covenant with you that the same covenant and blessing that you spoke to Abraham is ours. And it is for the purpose of establishing your kingdom upon this earth. And so, Lord, despite what it looks like, despite what we feel, despite what we may think, we stand in agreement together and we thank you that we have that blessing. We have more than enough that we are able to give into every good work. We are able to make a difference in people's lives and in the life of this community through the resources that you have so generously given to us and continue to bless us with in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Stand with me and hold your Bibles up to the Lord. Let's just go to the Lord. Let's just engage the Holy Spirit. Let's just stay in that attitude of receiving. Stay in that attitude of worship. Stay in that attitude because what you and I received this morning has more to do with us than it does with my ability. It has more to do with our faith in what God can say through me than my ability to articulate and correctly uh, study and say and speak. And I've done my part, Lord. I've prepared and I've gotten ready. But Lord, I thank you that that is, thank the Lord, it is not all up to me. But it is up to the anointing. It is up to the gifts. It is up to the grace that you have given. And so Lord, I yield myself to the Holy Spirit right now in the name of Jesus. <coughs> that you would speak that word in season. This morning, for this hour. Lord, I thank you that we gather together corporately, not out of a religious service or duty, but out of delight to come and to worship together as the family of God and to worship you and to hear what you would have to say specifically for us for this season, for this day, for this hour. We serve you out of delight, not out of duty. Lord, it is an honor and a privilege to be able to work in the house of the Lord. So many people, so many Christians in so many countries are not able to do what we do. Father, forgive us for taking it for granted. Help us to turn the page and to embrace everything that you have for us in the name of Jesus. Take your Bibles and say this with me. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God written to me. It is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You believe that? You believe that all the keys to success in life lies within this wonderful book? The accumulation of 
inspired divine writings from the Holy Spirit from many men of God and the central theme is God's love for man through Jesus Father we thank you that the Holy Spirit confirms this word in us say this with me this word is health to my body it's life to my spirit it's direction for my path. I am what it says I am. <clears throat> despite what I feel, despite what I see, and despite what others say about me, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am not a stranger. I am not a foreigner. But I am a blood-bought, sanctified, child of the Most High King. I have privileges. I have rights through the blood of Jesus. And I stand on those privileges. And I stand on those rights. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Which for the women that means I'm beautiful and for the men that means I'm handsome. I am good looking. Come on, somebody say that again. I'm good looking. I am made in my Father's image. Hallelujah. And I believe. I believe. I confess and believe that I will receive everything. Everything you got for me this morning. In the name of Jesus. I receive it by faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. I exercise my faith. I exercise my faith. Come on, church, I exercise my faith. I make a decision to say I'm not leaving here till I get that word. Oh, that's what pleases God. That's what pleases God. It's faith. I believe I will receive everything. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, let it be. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Don't, 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 don't. Don't, 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 don't. Don't allow the world and religion to tempt you into thinking that this is just another Sunday service.
Don't allow your traditions of men to nullify and to choke the Word of God by just saying, well, I went to church Sunday. Don't allow your experiences of the past and what has transpired in your, in your past and, and when growing up and even most recently, don't allow that to dictate what you will walk away with today. Don't. Don't. Do not trivialize what happens here today. God is able and willing and desires to move through the heavens and move over every other church, every other church member to get to one person who will say, Lord, I ain't leaving till I get what I came to get. And corporately, we gather together not to hear a sermon, but to hear what it is the Lord is saying to align ourselves up with what the Spirit of the Lord wants to say for this body, for this family, for this time. Hallelujah. You believe that? Am I the only one sometimes that is tempted to wake up on Sunday and go, well, it's another Sunday. We get to come together and sing that song or sing those songs and hear that message and then we go home don't 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 listen we live in the last days we cannot take this for granted he said that he would redeem the times that we live in this is part of that redeeming you and I can walk away from this today and we can receive what should take three years to receive and we can receive it if only we believe and 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 extend our faith toward what God wants to say to us this morning. I mean, if we just gonna come to church to come to church, I mean. I have to <clears throat> get to hold of myself from time to time because I want this to feel like game day every Sunday. I mean, I want it to feel like the Super Bowl. I want it to feel like revival. I want it to feel. I want it to sense. I want the Spirit of the Lord to be upon us. I want the anticipation to be such that we all can't hardly wait to get. And that is determined by us, not our environment. We can change the environment. We have the capacity and the power and the resources and the tools to change not just this environment in our building, but the environment in which we live in the city of Tifton. You and I have the greatest asset known to man, and that is the living power of the Holy Spirit living within us. You expect that? You believe that? That when we leave here and we go eat, that we infect that restaurant with the power and the presence of God? What we, what we place value on, we will receive the benefit of. If we don't place any value on it, 
we won't see any benefit of it. That's why people have a hard time with receiving the benefit of praise and worship. They don't understand the value of it. They don't understand what it does and what it accomplishes. It's us laying down our heart, laying down our mind, and laying ourselves aside and putting in proper context the God that we serve. And then we come here and we put pressure on the preachers, society. Churches put pressure on preachers to come up with some dynamic word every Sunday. And really the dynamic word is within us. And it's listening to what it is. It's lining ourselves up with Him. That's what I try to do is just try to lie. Lord, what, what you want to say today? What are you trying to say? Line us up and let us walk hand in hand with the Holy Spirit accomplishing what He's called us to do. But we carry this wonderful treasure in this earthen vessel and it is tempted and limited sometimes to physical strength and resources. But He said all things are possible to him that believes. We can believe God to circumspect all those trials and all those circumstances and the things that so easily entangle us that's the Apostle Paul said to lay those aside and to run not walk not strut not hop but to run with passion the race that God has got for us you about to pop Um, I kept hearing about fragrance from the Lord. And uh, I had a great, uh, a good friend uh, uh, write a song about the fragrance of the Lord. And the first line is, break the jar and let his fragrance into the room. And that line came to me and the Lord gave me this and I just started writing. He said, break the jar and let my fragrance out into the room. For you carry my fragrance with you everywhere you go. Let my fragrance permeate all you do and everywhere you go. And my light is within you. Let my light shine forth wherever you go. For wherever, wherever your feet are, I am. Where your hands work, I am. For I am the light within you, and the fragrance you carry is my fragrance. And then he started breaking it down a little bit more. He said, my light, it's his light. What we carry is his light of love. We carry his light of grace, his light of joy and peace and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. And that's the same fragrance we carry everywhere we go. It's time to break the jar and let his fragrance out into the room. No matter what room we're in, wherever we are, the fragrance of Christ is yes. there. It's within us. Let it break out. Yes, thank you, Lord.
gracias Lord Just wait on the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Stand not in the place that you have stood before, but step over into a new realm that has been there all along. For that realm that you've been standing in is the realm of lack. It's the realm of the law. It's it's the realm where things are not always going to come and happen the way that we see them from the Word. But the new realm that has been there all along has been there all along and you've had the right to stand in that place, but you've never stood in that place because you did not know. Now you know, step into that place. Step into that realm where all your fears and all your worries will be gone. Step into that realm where you now align yourself with my will and you will see the provision and the plans. No, no, no. You'll see the plans. No, no, no. You'll see the purpose. Then you'll see the plans. Then the provision will come. Provision will always come after you've got the plan. Provision never supersedes that which I tell you. Provision comes when you step out. The provision will be there. Glory to God. The place that you have stood, you waited for the provision 
then the, then the promise, then the plans. But I'm telling you that I'm calling you to step into a place where the provision will be unleashed when you step out and you begin to walk in that plan from the purpose that you see. My provision will be there. The provision that is in your life now is to put you in that place where you are totally dependent upon me. That's what I hear the Lord saying. Faith always pleases me. And faith is always stepping out in spite of what you see because you believe wholeheartedly that I'm in it. Faith is a firm persuasion. So much so that you are so firmly persuaded that you step out as if gravity were a greater force than my words from my mouth, says the Lord. But you step out. You abide by that because you are firmly persuaded that that which comes up must come down. And I'm telling you that that which I have deposited must and will come out in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now just lift your hands and just say, Lord, I receive all that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. <coughs> I will step into that place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For those of you that are visiting, you can look up in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 what just happened, but that was a tongue and interpretation. It's what the Bible calls it. Which, ironically, we're going to be talking about some of those things today. Hallelujah. Turn to... Romans chapter 12, and then I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Everything that's going on this morning is coming into alignment with what the Lord's wanting to say. The word that, was, that came forth was not standing in the place that you've been standing in, but step into that new realm, step into that new place. And I'm amazed because we have stepped into a new season. <laughs> and now we Thanksgiving Turkey Day is over. And now what is everybody thinking about? Thinking about Christmas. That's right. We're thinking about Christmas and the time that we come together as a family and we begin to exchange gifts and we bless one another with gifts. And so I wanted to create, and I really felt like the Lord said, I want you to talk about gifts. So I'm starting a new series this morning. And we're calling it gifts. And it's going to lead up to Christmas because I believe the Lord wants to express to us and to clarify some things within us that each and every one of you have specific gifts that God has placed in you before the foundation of the earth with you in mind for this day and for this season and for this place. And... We're leading up to the greatest gift that God gave us, which was Jesus. I love gifts. Now, 
I'm not a, that's not my love language. I'm not a gifts person. I mean, I'll take a gift. I like gifts, but that's not my love language. You know, does that make sense? Any of you heard of the five love languages? Gifts, acts of service, words of encouragement, physical touch, and quality time. Um, that's not my love language. My love language has really always been words of encouragement and physical touch. It's kind of like a tie. I tell my wife all the time, she's not here this morning, <clears throat> April, she's at home with our youngest daughter, Brynn. She was running fever. She's either got teeth coming in or the weather change or whatever, but it's got her running at about 40%. So she stayed home with her this morning. But I tell her all the time, I said, I don't care about getting gifts. Just kiss me, touch me, and tell me I'm the greatest man that's ever lived. That's all I need. You know what I'm saying? That's what my love. But I love gifts in the sense that I love Christmas time because the highest level, now listen to me on this, the highest level of expressing your love is giving. It's the highest form of expression of love is giving. You want me to prove it to you? For God so loved the world that He told the world? No. For God so loved the world that He... He what? Say it one more time. What's the highest expression of love that you and I can demonstrate to our, those that we love? Give what? Give time. Give resources. Give a gift. Give money. The highest form. Jesus said when He came, He followed that same example. And He said the Son of Man did not come to... Um, the, the Son of Man did not come to be worshipped. He didn't come to receive. He came to give. He said, I came to give my life. I didn't come so that you would serve me. I came to serve you. I came to give you, to bless you, to give my life a, a ransom for many. It's the highest form of expression of love. And God loves us so much that He gave us gifts. We're not even at Christmas, and I'm going to unwrap some gifts for you this morning. Is that okay? Romans chapter 12, we're going to begin there. And then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but we're going to stay primarily in Romans chapter... You know what? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's start there because we're going to end up landing in Romans chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12... He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Say, Lord, I don't want to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols. I love the Apostle Paul. He didn't never sugarcoat anything. We don't like saying dumb. He said dumb idols. However you were led, verse 3. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and no one <clears throat> can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Now listen to me. I'm going to talk about that, but that's not this Sunday. I wanted to read this because the Apostle Paul lays out some spiritual things. 
And he says, brothers, I'm going to talk to you about some spiritual gifts because I don't want you to be ignorant. Ignorance is the most dangerous thing. Uh, I think it was, um, it says in the Old Testament, it says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. See, we think sometimes ignorance is an insult. Ignorance is not an insult. Willful ignorance is an insult. Willfulness in ignorance is what I don't know. Um, I don't know everything that this man knows because he went to medical school. So in a lot of areas in medical, when it comes to medical science and the body and how it functions, I am ignorant. Is that degrading to me? No, that's what I got Langston for. Bless God. If I got a problem, I just call him. Because that's his giftedness. That is what he is trained in. That's what God has called him. Um, Brother Bill has owned a uh, trailer, a semi-trailer repair business for years. He is an extraordinary mechanic and, and metal worker. But I am ignorant when it comes. I mean, I like to, I, I guess I would like to use the blowtorch every now and then. I've used one every now and then, but not like he has. I mean, he can, he can do all kinds of things. He could take a trailer that you think is just done with and he can make that thing look brand new I don't know how he does it that's his gift but I am ignorant of that he says brothers I don't want any of you to be ignorant about these spiritual gifts so he says now concerning spiritual gifts and he begins to talk about spiritual gifts but what's interesting is he lays out really a trifold thing and he says there are diversities of gifts but the same spirit there are diversities of ministries but the same Lord and there are diversities of activities, but the same God. Gifts, ministries, and activities. We're going to talk about gifts. And this morning I'm going to talk to you about God's gifts to men. Next week we're probably going to talk about the Holy Spirit's gifts to the church. And then the next Sunday after that, we're going to talk about Jesus' gifts to the church. But all of this is for the body. And what's ironic, what I really love, is he says, but the man, but he says, but they all work one in the same spirit. They're all trying to accomplish the same thing. He says the, that the uh, one commentator said the reference to the Trinity in these verses, Spirit, Lord, and God. See, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Jesus is our Lord which means He's our Savior, but He's our Lord. We govern our lives. We align ourselves up with the Lordship of Jesus. When Jesus was here, what did He say? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. He never said repent in the sense that confess your sins and your ugliness. No, He said repent for the kingdom of... He preached the kingdom of God. You don't have a kingdom without the Lord, and you can't serve something without a Lord. And so we align ourselves up with the Lordship of our life. That's why I stress with people when they give their lives to the Lord, you're not just getting the ticket to heaven. You're saying, Lord, I, I'm stepping out of this realm and stepping into a new realm where I align myself with your Lordship. You follow me? Being a Christian is more than just do's and don'ts. That's, that has nothing to do with it. It's aligning ourselves with a relationship. That's our first priority. The first need of man is not salvation. It's not redemption. The first need of man is fellowship with God Almighty. And that's what Jesus provides. He provides that, but he provides that so that we can come in right relationship with Him once again. And then all the rest of that stuff falls in place. You fall in love with Him. You begin, to, you begin to talk with Him. You begin to have a relationship with Him. And then now everything else falls into place. 
You don't have a problem serving Him because you know how much He loves you. Oh, how He loves you and me. He gave His life. What more could... Huh? Why? We love Him because He first loves us. He always demonstrates His love towards us. He always... Remember I said the other week, I said that God never asked you to do away with something without giving you a better alternative. Well, in this case, he gives us the alternative and we blindfully and willfully choose not to follow that and we follow this path. The love of God. It is the, the, Jesus came. He said, I got a better way. The Gentiles seek after all these things. But if you'll follow me and seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added unto you. But it requires us to lay down our life and to follow Him and to align ourselves with Him. And that's not always an easy thing, especially in this day and this society. But the various gifts and ministries and activities, that's what I like. Gifts, ministries, and activities. There are certain gifts that God has given you, given us. There are certain ministries, apostolic, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. We'll get to that. But there are gifts that God has given each and every one of us, and not just one, but many gifts that we operate in, and 90% of believers have absolutely no idea what their spiritual gifts are. They've never identified them, and they've never utilized them in the body of Christ and in the world. Now go to Romans chapter 12. <coughs> what I like about this is that the central theme of all these gifts is always love and unity. He's always demonstrating how much God loves us, that He gives us something. And the purpose for the gift is for us to get along. Everybody say, get along. Not just get along, but to be in unity. Unity is not uniformity. Does that make sense? Um, unity is like this. We all agree that we're going on vacation together, right? But just because you're going to drive a truck and Brother Bill's going to drive a motorcycle, that doesn't mean that you're not in unity. See, uniformity is everybody's got to drive the same car, the same color car, and everybody's got to drive the same speed and we follow a line. No, 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 no. There's many buses, many vehicles going in, in many different directions, but they're on the same path to the same goal. And why do we do that? Because we, we like to spread out and get everybody we can on the way. Unity is being unified in a common goal. And in Romans chapter 12, let me, say, let me let the Word say it because it can describe it better. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Everybody say reasonable. Let me tell you why I like that. Because he said, listen, you can come and worship and say I love God all you want, but the Apostle Paul said, I beseech you, I'm coming to you, and I'm asking you, I'm invoking some urgency with you, and I'm saying to you, by the mercies of God, that you present your body, Morris, your body. Brother Barry, your body. Cornell, your body. I beseech you, that you present, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. Your body, Inez, your, what is your body comprised of? Everything, your mind, your will, your emotions, your spirit. I beseech you, 
Granny and Papa Carol, to, to take your bodies as what? As a living sacrifice. Listen to me. A living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. I believe, okay, <clears throat> from what I've seen, I believe that the reason why people don't always get involved in church Part of it has to do with religious tradition. Part of it has to do with the mentality that we just want to come and be served. But I believe the, the root of that is because people have never been identified in their gifting. If you don't know what God has created you to do, if you don't know and you don't understand how God has created you, then how will you ever utilize and understand how you can use that for the kingdom of God? One of the best things that I ever went through, God can use all things for His glory, right? So I was in sales for years. And the deeper I got in sales, the more I did not like sales. I did not like having to feel like I was having to convince you of something. And a lot of sales techniques is high pressure. You got to have this, you got to have this knife. If you don't have this knife, your marriage is going to fall apart. You need this knife. You need this vacuum cleaner. Because you get this vacuum cleaner, it decreases your medical bills. I mean, you're, you understand what I'm saying? You got to have this car. You got to get the car. What would you rather do? Fix the car that you got over and over again or have this brand new car that comes with a warranty? It's always, it, it, I, and so I know. But one of the things that I went through is I began to uh, go through a process of understanding my personality. And I took a personality test, personality profiles, then I took a spiritual gift test, and I began to understand and realize that there are certain traits that God has created in all humans. And if we'll understand that, it helps us to walk in love with each other even better. Some people are neat freaks. Some people could care less. They don't even know how to spell the word neat. Right? Some people are planners. Cornell, can I pick on you? Cornell is a planner. He wants a plan for the plan. And I like plans, but I also like to do stuff on the spur of the moment. So we're good for each other because I challenge him, and he helps me take these spur of the moment things and make a plan for him. But when you understand that, now go back to Romans chapter 12. When you understand that, he begins to talk about those things. And he says this, he says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The world is going to try to get you to release your gifting and not present it to God. The world is going to try to get you to present your gift to yourself and to the world. The world is always at odds with God's way. The world is always going to challenge you and in, in, in God's way. What, what do I mean by that? If your reasonable service is to present your bodies to the Lord and to the church and to His kingdom, what's the world going to try to get you to do? The opposite of that. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice to the world. And what is the world? Me, mine, and what I want. Glory to God. Selfishness is nothing more than a misprioritized, uh, it, it is placing your priorities in the wrong place. Selfishness is so, you look so much into yourself that you miss everybody else. 
God's way is for us to look on the others. And the great thing about it is the very thing that is, is, is selfishness entangles you with, you and I with, to try to satisfy within ourselves can only be satisfied when we give our life a ransom for many. He says, he says those who desire to save their life will lose it. But those who lose their life will find it. How? In Christ. Because that's the way God has created us. We are created in His image, in His likeness, and we have His breath inside of us. So that means it is our nature to give. We've been taught not to give. We've been tempted. We've been trained. We've been programmed not to give, not to do those things. And He says, you're reasonable sight. And He says, do not be conformed. Don't let the world lie to you. Don't let the world try to confuse you and say, no, you need to, the, your reasonable service is to show up on Sundays and to pay your tithe. No. Your reasonable service is to find out what God has created you to do and then you begin to do it. That's your reasonable service. And everything that man desires and craves in this life is only fulfilled through him. People say, well, the love, you know, money is the root of all evil. No, the love of money is the root of all evil. We understand that. Well, that's been said, the love of money is the root of all evil. But let me ask you something. Is it wrong? Why have we been taught that it is wrong to desire certain things? God has created gifts and has given them to men, but we've been taught that it's wrong if we even think or even we even desire those things that we're wrong. No, no, no. It's not the thing itself. It's how you acquire the thing. That's the trap. He says your reasonable service and everything that you and I desire will be fulfilled in Him. In that reasonable service. When we give and we focus our lives on... I was reading something yesterday, last night... And I was reading for me. I was being selfish. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't trying to finish up for today. I was being completely and totally selfish. I was reading, trying to finish up a couple of chapters in a book that I've been reading. And I was reading it for, for me. I was just trying to stir myself up, trying to feed myself. Sometimes as a minister, as a pastor, see, I have to get ready. every When I leave here today, I'm going to already be thinking about next Sunday and the Sunday after that. You gotta, you know, you gotta plan. Right, Cornell? Give me an amen, Cornell. You gotta plan. You gotta get ready. So I'm already thinking about next Sunday. I gotta come, but if I'm not careful, if ministers are not careful, they will constantly prepare and never feed themselves. And so last night I was feeding and I was and I was amazed at how even I sometimes have become so tunnel visioned and we think right now. And we don't think eternity. What I do right now affects eternity. What I do today will affect kingdom outcomes 20, 30, 50, 100 years from now if Jesus tarries His return. What I do, what you and I do today affects tomorrow. Now, when you take yourself out of that, that is a reasonable service that now we begin to present ourselves towards God because we're investing in the future. We're not saving for later we're putting it away 
for the kingdom of God. We're making investments into the kingdom. We live in such a mentality of selfishness, but I believe that the selfishness, listen to me, I really believe that the selfishness that exists is a result of people not understanding who they are. Because you understand who you are, and you're unleashed in your giftedness. Boy, that opens a whole world for you. So I took this personality test. And that, what I began to understand was Jesus said, I become, Jesus said, the Apostle Paul said, to become all things to all men. I never understood that. And I began to take these personality tests and begin to study this stuff. And I began to realize that there are predominant personality traits in each and every one of us. And each and every one of us have certain things that God has created us to be. And we should not and will not deter from that. But we can become and understand the other personalities and the other giftedness within the body of Christ. And then we begin to pull on one another and we begin to become an asset and not a liability. So, he says, verse 3, For I say, now listen to this, Through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one, A, everybody say A. Not the, but A, measure of faith. Your faith can be developed. Your faith can be strengthened. You can have weak faith or you can have strong faith. You can have little faith. You can have great faith. It's up to you. He's given to us a measure. Not the. See, the measure is, this is it. This is all the measure of faith that I'm giving you. That's the measure. I'm giving you the measure. Now he says, I'm giving you a measure. Which implies that it is growable. It is you can strengthen it. You can grow it. You can utilize it or you cannot. You can have dead faith. Or you can have weak faith. You can have no faith or you can have great faith. This is, we're not talking about faith, but I want to stress this, okay? But what's the key? He says, I say through the grace given to me that every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly. The word soberly does not mean like a dog. The word soberly does not mean you think of yourself as the bottom of the scum heap. Jesus did not give his life for scum. God did not send his most treasured possession to die for nothing. No, he died for something, for someone. You are fearfully, we say that every Sunday. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You are the apple of his eye. That's why he's... A, so how do we think? What is more highly than we ought? You begin to think that you are God's gift to the kingdom of God. You and I begin to think we are God's gift to whatever... No, no, no. He said think soberly. The word soberly means you think of yourself as you really are. The reality of who you are. How do we find that out? You can only find that out through searching the scriptures and the revelation that God gives us through the word of God. Anyway, he says this, verse 4, For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. Everybody don't have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. 
See, I don't even, we may not even get to the different gifts because I believe the Lord is trying to stress to us the fact that not only are we to walk in love, but we are to see each other as members together. Your gift is needed. My gift is needed. Your gift is needed. If you don't provide your gift, Brother Ronnie, then we are out the Ronnie gift. And this machine can't work. I mean, it can work, but we can't do all that we can do without the Ronnie gift. You can take the greatest, most powerful vehicle in the world, and you take the spark plugs out, and they not but, I mean, a spark plug isn't but about that big. And you take all eight or 12 in some cars or six, you take all of those out, and all you've got is a big bunch of nice, pretty that won't go nowhere. Just parts. But you put that one, you put those spark plugs, which seem insignificant. You put those spark plugs in there, and they now take that whole machine and move it to realms that you never thought. You may be the spark plug. You may never be seen, never be heard. But you're a vital part of the body of Christ. Everybody wants to look at the parts which are seen. And he begins to address that. And he says this. He says, Having then gifts differing, listen to this, according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Grace is not just unmerited favor. Grace, the word grace, is power. It's ability. It's functionality. The great God gives you a gift, and then what's He do? He gives you the grace, the, the instruction manual, the fuel, and the resources to operate in that gift. And now you're operating in that gift to the Lord and to the body of Christ because that's what He's created you to be. He said, through the grace that is given to us, if let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. This word prophecy is not referring to the prophet or prophesying as in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that we'll find later. He's talking about this, the gift of being able to see something and articulate it and write it down. That's what the gift of prophecy. There are people in society... Corporate America, some of the wealthiest people in the world are people that have that prophetic gift. They can see changes in the market before they happen and they articulate it and make plans accordingly. It's not just, we think of these gifts as gifts that operate in the church, but prophecy, listen to this, refers to either those who, whose creation gift from the Father enables them to view all of life with special ongoing prophetic insight. You don't know why, but maybe you woke up and you've just been able to see things and you don't understand why. You just see them. That's that gift that God has given you. Now, it doesn't mean that you're a prophet in the kingdom of God. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily to prophesy. We can all prophesy. Paul said that. I'm talking about being able to see things and articulate it and do it. That's a gift. Here's another one. <coughs> Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. All right, so he said prophesy, the ability to see in proportion to your faith. 
which means the degree of faith that you are firmly persuaded that you see those things, you should operate in that gift accordingly. You need to begin to step out in those things that you see and that you hear because you're, as you do that, now you're operating in proportion to your faith. He said in ministering, the word ministering suggests either those whose special creation gift enables them to most effectively serve the body in physical ways or the rendering of any type of service by anyone in the church. That is a gift. I never really had so much of that gift. The word ministry means you meet the need. You function in that gift. There are those of you that God has created you to function and your mindset is I want to help in any way I can. That's that gift. It drives you. You don't, you don't want to be, you don't even want to be seen. You don't even want to be heard, but you just want to help. That's really the deacon ministry. The ministry of the deacon is to not be seen, not be heard, but they function. That's the gift of ministry. You don't know why, but you go into a situation. I'm trying to bring this kind of down to earth where you can see it. You go into any situation, any business, and you begin to identify the ways that you can begin to render your service. That's the gift of ministry. You go to a church and you begin to see things. And what happens is, oh, glory to God. Now the enemy comes in and he goes, well, you see, they don't have, uh, I'm going to use ushers. Let's just use ushers for a second. You got the gift of ministry. You want to help. And so you see that need. You see that gaping hole. You see that gap. And you go to a church and you see that because God has created that in you. But the enemy comes and says, well, you don't need to do that. Because, you know, that's your reasonable service. You don't need to do that. Can you believe they don't, I mean, the church this size, they don't have that. And what is he doing? He's trying to sow disunity, disloyalty from the get-go. And he said, God has set each one of these in the church. God has done this for the purpose of unity. He said, there's the diversity of gifts, right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, go back there just for a second. You don't have to go there. I'll read it. He said this. He said, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. It all works together. I like to say it this way. The Holy Spirit is not bipolar. What do I mean by that? I mean the Holy Spirit's not in competition with Himself. Well, I got the gifts of prophecy and I got the gift of ministry. The Holy Spirit's not in competition one with another. He's wanting to utilize you in your place and you in your place so that we function as a team, as the body, and we get what God wants to get accomplished, accomplished. He said, he said this, he said, or in ministry, he who teaches, verse 7, in teaching. The word teaching refers to either those who are specially gifted to keep an eye on and instruct the revealed truth of God's word. You don't even understand it. I can identify with this gift. You don't even understand it, but when somebody says a scripture, you automatically want to know what the Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, the context, you automatically want to study that thing out. That's a teacher. Your, your, your gift. Now, it doesn't just mean in the body of Christ. You could be that in your, in your job. Maybe you're always the one that wants to know why things work the way they work. That's a teaching gift. It's a gift that God has given you to help instruct. Some of the greatest teachers in my life were teachers. They were not public school teachers who had a job. They were teachers. They did it passionately. 
I know of a lady right now that's spoken to our life. She retired, then went back to work teaching part-time because why? That's her gift. She can see things and study them out and she can take that watch apart and she can help you understand how that watch works. That's a teacher. Maybe you got that gift. All right, let's go on. He says, he who exhorts in exhortation. The exhorting is describes those whose gift enables them to best apply God's truth through encouragement. Who are called to publicly bring encouragement. Who may be called to publicly bring encouragement to the church. That's a gift. It's a gift to encourage somebody. Barnabas had that gift in the New Testament. That was Paul's companion on his first missionary journey. There's something about that gift. Morris is good at encouraging. Sarah is really good at encouraging. Boy, you about ready to just cut bait. I mean, you are ready, and they will send a text. Brother Bill is great. Papa Bill is great at encouraging. You understand what I'm saying? You don't know why, but Mr. Timmy is great. Think of those people in your life when you are ready to just go postal on somebody, and they come up, and they encourage you, and man, you're ready to run the marathon now more. You're ready. That's an encouraging gift. Function in that gift. Lord knows we need it. Look at verse uh, look at verse 8. He who gives with liberality. There is a gift of giving. There are gifts of giving. What does that mean? That means God has enabled you to, to God has given you the mightest touch. And it doesn't just mean necessarily super wealthy people. It means people who just give. God said, you will not outgive me. There are people that give. You understand that it takes resources and money to get the things of the kingdom done, right? We're not talking about, we're talking about people who just, that's the way they're geared towards is just to give. And they give. That is a gift. You may have that gift. In my life, I've met two people that had that gift. That I know. I've met two people personally. There was another guy that I met that he said he got he has the gift of giving. But I never saw his wallet back up his mouth. I know people that give ridiculous. I mean ridiculous amount. I'm not okay. You think that these multi-billionaires that give into these nonprofits or to these the, that want to try to save world hunger, you think they're doing that for the tax write-off? Some of them are, but the government only allows you to do so much. No, these are guys operating in their giftedness that God has given them, but it's in the wrong arena. <coughs> they get deceived, and now they're trying to build something for themselves rather than build the kingdom. Let me finish up. He who leads refers to either those who are gifted to effectively facilitate all areas of life or those who publicly function in administration. There's a gift for leaders. There is a leadership gift. We can all learn to lead, but there is a leadership gift. They just have the ability to step up, get everybody in line, and point them in the right direction. Then there are those, you ready? Last but not least, the seventh one. He who shows mercy. This, this is the one that really caught my eye. He says, He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. 
Who, I mean, I don't, I don't even, I, sometimes I can't even wrap my head around that. Mercy with cheerfulness. This defines either those with the special gift of strong, perceptive emotions or those called to special functions of Christian relief or acts of charity. Some of you, your heart breaks for people. That's a gift of mercy. Graciousness, the word, um, when he says show mercy with cheerfulness, it means graciousness, joyfulness, gladness, benevolence. It says in the primitive, in primitive lands, Bible translator defines this Greek word as the heart is laughing and the eyes are dancing. The word was often used for the cheerful demeanor of those visiting the sick and infirm and of those giving alms. The person who exhibits this word in the Greek, hilaritas, is a sunbeam lighting up a sick room with warmth and love. <laughs> as, of, as opposed to judgment and condemnation. The gift of mercy. Some of you have that gift. Some of you have that gift where all you want to do, I know someone who's got that gift, all they want to do is go visit people in the hospital and go visit people in their beds and go do those things because they have that gift. They just want people to know that God loves them and they want to get them laughing and they want them, a lot of comedians, let me tell you something, a lot of comedians, that's their gifting. But it's been perverted. You got to have you got to have some kind of gift to be able to cause people to laugh. That's a gift. And God has created each and every one of us with specific gifts. Now, I don't have time. We're running out of time right now. But I want you to understand that in this season, I want you to begin to identify your gifts. I want you to begin to understand that first of all, 1 Peter, you can turn there real quick and we're going to close with this. 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, And above all things, have fervent love one for another. For love will cover a multitude of sin. Be hospitable to one to another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Before you even start talking about your gifts, he outlines some conditions. Be fervent in love. What does that mean? It means I love you in spite of you. I love you even though I don't like something. You think that you're going to be married and never have an argument? Then don't get married. You think you're going to join and become a part of the family of God and become part, you're going to become a part of this church, okay? You want to be a member. The reason why we have hard times with, we're not trying to be play on words, not trying to use semantics, but we believe that you become a member of the family, not a church. Because every time God talks about the church or Jesus, how does he, what language does he use? Family, the body, the finger, the toe. The church, the family, the sons, the daughters, love one another. There's one that sticks closer than a brother. I mean, he uses these words. So when, you, when, we, when we say we want you to come be a part of this luncheon, if you're interested in learning more about us, it's not to become a member. Boy, I'm a card-carrying. No, 
It's if you want to understand what we, you know. We are a family. And we like to eat and we like to fellowship. And we like to be about God's business, but we do that through what we see as the nature of the church from its inception in the book of Acts. He says, before we even talk about any gifts, I want you to fervently love one another. Because why? Because love covers a multitude of sin. See, love seeks to cover, not to expose. <laughs> love seeks to cover, not to expose. We like to judge people on their actions, but we want people to judge us on our motives. Well, I didn't intend to do that, but you did that, so I'm going to judge. We want to judge, we want to see people like that, but we want people to judge us on our motives. And he says right here, he says this, he says, <clears throat> above all things, have fervent love one for another. Be how, how in the world would you think he'd have to tell the church this? Be hospitable to one another without grumbling? You mean to tell me I can be hospitable and grumble? Hey, sister, how you doing? Here's your bread. I can't believe I had to do that. You know how tired I am? We need somebody to... Uh, I, I told Pam and uh, Cornell, we had our meeting this week, and I said, just call some folks and ask them if they'd be willing to stand up there and greet people as they come in. What does that look like? That means, okay, yeah, I'll do it. And you stand out there and you're like, I can't believe I've got to do this. I could have slept 30 minutes longer. Be hospitable. What is it that's going to change people's lives? Love. How does love demonstrate itself? When Jesus loved, let's go back to Jesus for a second. Can y'all just pause the clock just for a minute? What did Jesus do? How was Jesus most affected in his ministry? How did he affect people? He sees somebody, he'd come up to them, did he condemn them? What did he do? He showed graciousness and love. Son of man, have mercy on me. Did y'all hear that? That's what Jesus did. The woman said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. And she touched him, the hem of his garment. And Jesus said, whoa, boys. Who touched me? They said, Jesus, are you serious right now? Are you kidding me? Hey, he's been drinking some of that wine he converted from water. No. He said, are you serious right now? All these people are touching me. He said, no, 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 no. Somebody touched me and virtue came out of me. The woman that was caught in the act of adultery. So they brought her and they said, the law says to stone her. What do you say, big boy? And Jesus said, he starts writing on the ground and he stands up and he says, if any of you is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And the Bible says that they begin to leave the oldest first. Why? Because the older people had sinned a whole lot more. Right? So I ain't touching that one with a 10-foot pole. I know what I was being like. <laughs> okay, Lord, we'll let that one go. I'm not big enough no rock because there ain't a truck around here big enough to haul all the rocks that would need for me. It says they left. From, and what did he say? He said, he said, woman, he didn't call. He said, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, there are none. 
What did Jesus say? Listen, what did he say? Who was the accuser of the brethren? Man, it took us 30 minutes to get here, and this is good. Who was the accuser of the brethren? You going to tell me that Jesus is enabled and gifted his church to accuse people? That's not love. That's the enemy. Love covers. Now don't look down. Don't look down at my toes. I won't look at yours because I'm stepping all over them. Love covers a multitude of sins. Be gracious. Be hospitable without grumbling. Why? Because you and I could be in a whole lot worse of a pickle. We could be in China where they have to meet secretly underground with fear of death of their family. It could get a whole lot worse. It really could. Boy, our nation is going to hell in a handbasket. It's bad. It could get worse. Trust in that. What's our responsibility? What's our job? Our job, our responsibility is to raise up, identify our giftedness, and then we come together arm in arm and we utilize our gifting to take this message to that world that's hurting and dying and take back what the enemy has stole from the kingdom of God. Which has already been done. You understand? Legally, it's a done deal. The papers have already been signed. Now our job is enforcement. Our job is enforcement. Stand with me. Our job is enforcement. He said, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The manifold grace of God is the ability that He's given you to function and to operate in your giftedness with each other. With each other. That's being a good steward. I'm going to challenge you to do something. I'm getting ready, I'm getting a series ready for the beginning of the year and some things that we're going to be participating in together as a church. But I believe that God has gifted each and every person. And it seems like the more we talk and the more we move in that direction, the more people back away. Because in their mind, they don't, They've never been taught to unleash that gift, to really utilize that gift in the body of Christ. And I'm telling you that if you will identify that God has given you these gifts and they are without repentance, that means He's not going to take them back. He's given them to you for a specific purpose. And that purpose is to just enjoy God and enjoy doing what God's called you to do. Go home and read Romans chapter 12 and begin to find out because there's more stuff later on in that chapter that we'll touch on in later weeks. But begin to realize, begin to study that and begin to understand that God has created specific giftings in you. You have giftings and God has made you unique. And we want to embrace your uniqueness. And then we want to turn loose and unleash that uniqueness with everybody else's uniqueness 
for the kingdom of God. I don't think I could say it any plainer. We're endeavoring here to build an army. Not a church. The church is built. The church is the people. We're not trying to build. We're trying to create and build an army with the plans that God has given us specifically and then put each and everybody in their place functioning the way God's created us to function. That's, <coughs> that's when we will have the greatest onslaught of people coming into the kingdom of God that we've ever seen is when people are functioning in their place and in their giftedness according to what God has told you and I to do. Every one of you. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we just thank you that you have created specifically all of us for those giftings. And so right now, Father, if there's anybody in here that has never made you their Lord, or maybe they've walked away and they've turned away and they never have come back, we want to give everybody that opportunity. But I think we all need to do it together. And so with all of us, with one voice, with one heart, let's just rededicate ourselves to the Lord in this Christmas season. Let's just thank the Lord for the giftings that He's given us. Lord, we just thank You for the giftedness that You've given me. I am unique. I am gifted. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I have a purpose. I have a destiny. And I will fulfill that destiny what I don't see show me what I don't understand reveal it to me and I promise I make a commitment to walk in the light of what you show me I present my body to you which is my reasonable service as a living sacrifice. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, Sarah, would you dismiss us, pray for us, and dismiss us? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for this timely word. Lord, I pray it would pierce hearts this morning to want to hear more. Father, I pray that you would go before us as we go out of these doors, that you would have us ask you, who do you want me to minister to today? Who do you want to cross my path? Lord, I pray we would have ears to hear you and eyes to see your, your people. And Father, I pray you would just keep us all safe and um, I love you, Lord. 
Well, y'all go and have a blessed week.